0: Great, so today we have...
1: Mia Hamilton.
0: (laughs) Excellent, welcome Mia. It's awesome to have you here. Thank you. So just reflecting back before in Mel's studio, I said you were coming along. She's like, we're just trying to work out when you were here and when you graduated.
1: I joined the Learning Connection in June of 2006, so that halfway through the year, and I left when they moved to Taito, which was December 2008. I would have carried on and finished the full degree if I'd been able to do that in Island Island Bay, yeah. But um, yeah, just family and children and stuff meant that I couldn't travel to Taito on a daily basis. And the distance learning wasn't quite as advanced as it is now, it just, I I didn't want to do distance learning basically. So I left and In hindsight, it's been really good. It has forced me to grow up artistically very quickly. Wow. Uh, So, yeah, I'd still like to come back and do honours, though. Mm. Just that year of really intense.
0: Mm. It's great having the campus and the facilities here now, and Island Bay was Island Bay, and it had a a great way of being. And then this place is really interesting because it's really purpose-built in terms of having its own jewellery studio, its own ceramics studio, Foundry, so it's quite interesting.
1: I'm so jealous when I come here and see the foundry and things like that, and go, "Wow, what yeah. we used to do at Island Bay compared to what you guys have got here today." Yeah, that's amazing here today.
0: There's definitely a sense of creativity happening yeah, in there. Yeah, absolutely. Ah. And so, what led you to TLC in 2006?
1: I a couple of years before that, maybe 18 years before, to, uh, 18 months before 2006, I came to one of their evenings with a friend and it was interesting, the reaction was, on her part was, oh no, not for me, and I just went, wow, I've got to find a way of getting there, just, it just, Paula took it, I don't know, is Paula still around, Paula Mason, and Jonathan was there, and um, we did those simple things like turning the heads upside down, and doing our signature upside down, and stuff like that, and it just, I thought, yes, I can, I can do this, I had had a sort of slightly negative artistic experience before that where somebody that I was quite close to had said to me, Mia, you'll never paint. You're a terrible painter. You can't paint to save yourself. And so I was carrying this baggage with me and I came along to that evening at TLC and everybody was so welcoming and they gave us pencils and crowns and stuff and it worked. So um, yeah, I just it was just such a positive environment yeah. and I immediately saw that Um, they would find the way that made me creative that would push my buttons.
0: Excellent.
1: So, yeah, I was really drawn to that.
0: And what about what you're doing in in your life before that happened? What was going on? At home
1: with children, basically, had an interior design company. um, Mm. Had been playing with different sorts of artistic sort of little bits and pieces, had made some children's clothing when I was when the kids were really little, had gone into this kid's interior design, just sort of searching for a way to become more creative and um, I found it when I came to TLC.
0: Awesome. It's interesting what people view as art, art but then mm. when you attach art and creativity and it opens it right up, yeah. it's interesting that that was already happening alongside the children. Yeah. And then yeah, you came to the opening and then something happened and sparked.
1: Yeah, no I, I've, it's always been important for me to find a medium that worked around my children because I am not the sole caregiver but the main caregiver of my kids. Mm. I have a corporate husband who can't take responsibility. so if the kids are sick or whatever, it's always been me. so I was also looking for something that would work around them at that stage.
0: Yeah, of course. And there was an eighteen-month gap from the preview to when you first enrolled. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was how long it took me to convince that husband that letting me go to TAFE was the right thing.
0: Yeah, I'm always in admiration of partners that support people through the process of the learning connection. I think it's it's amazing. It was mentioned at our recent graduation mm. by Hori. Yeah. He just said, you know, he, he he found it quite amazing that there's because it is a partnership. Absolutely, often there's a partnership. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well for Jeff and I, my my partner's name is Jeff. Um, it was a decision we were both in corporate jobs before we had children and you know, both working sixty hours a week. So we had to have sit down and have that conversation. Mm. And it wasn't naturally me because it was the woman, I was the woman. It was just he could see that I wanted more. Mm. So we agreed to I'm going to pay one day, apparently. (laughs) When I'm famous and earning lots of money artistically, then he says he'll retire. (laughs) He's still waiting.
0: (laughs) Tell us what it was like at TLC in Island Bay in terms of your experience and what you were connecting with in terms of media.
1: Um, I came in, as I say, being scared of 2D and discovered this whole 3D scenario. And with the exception of Dan's pastel classes, I think I did exclusively 3D classes. I don't think I touched 2D at all after, um, after foundation, mm. basically, apart from your pastel classes. Um, yeah, I just was in love with everything 3D.
0: What
1: was your first experience of 3D? The first 3D class I did was at the end of that year, 2006. I did Hana's Raku class. Like that. That's TLC. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's <so> cool. <laughs> that kiln. That that's still around, probably. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, I just yeah had a, t- had a play with some clay and absolutely fell in love with Clay and did every one of Mal's classes that I could do and every one of Hannah's classes that I could do and all the rest were Dennis's classes. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Well, it's just, interesting
0: how you can shape your program. I think that's what's really good about certificate. You give them the option to, for people to kind of go, okay, where am I at? And then people then create the program for it to suit them as a person mm. and creative being.
1: Well, especially, you know, that again harks back to that Finding what it is that sparks you totally creatively. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, who would have thought in 2006 that I would have a full-time career in art?
0: Yeah. You know, it's like that when you go back and trace the steps. Mm. And so. so it was ceramic, and what kind of subject matter or shapes or forms? What was going on?
1: Um, I started playing with that bowl shape. Mel had a mould, and I—it'll come up soon. There'll be one. There's so many of them, and I'm actually still making the same shape, mm. um, not that one. Okay. Um, I just—it's—I it, have found in my th- um, work that scale is hugely important to me, and multiplicity. I always make multiples. I never make one. So I've been making this particular large bowl shape for. Six years now, yeah. still making the same shape. Still, that's the shape there without the dead people in it. Um, yeah, and it's just something about that perfect half sphere mm. that is just works every time. I just love the shape of it. Mm. So yeah, always um, exhibited in multiples like that. I just. What do you think
0: multiples work?
1: Um. I don't know. They just give it a whole other dimension. Yeah. Um, often, can tell you can tell a story with multiples that you can't tell with one object. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: And then did that evolve during the process of being <coughs> at school? The yeah. idea of multiples? Or?
1: Yes. I, I just never was satisfied with making one. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember. One of my early works was that piece of that New Zealand with the three hundred and fifty sandcastles. Um, you know, that's, that's a really big piece. Yeah. And I've, 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 one thing I do recall that um, somebody, one, another student came in one day to one of the raku classes and said to Hana, um, why is this, why is that, what, what, what's gone wrong here, why, why can't I do this, why can't I do that? And Hana just turned around and said to her, just looked at her and said, go and make 100 more. And then come back and ask the same questions, <laughs> and it's it's actually really, really true. You know, this 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 real evolving of the work as you make more and more of the same shape or or the same theme. Yeah. It just totally changes it for me.
0: You get to you get more familiar with the process and what's happening, and it Nothing allows you to
1: push it further because Definitely. you get the basic process working. Mm,
0: well said. And you see, I said all the time around here, just people working sort of here and there, a little bit helter-skelter maybe to begin, and then Mm -hmm. it's sort of, you can see people naturally Mm. hone in to what they're connecting with, what they're feeling most passionate about.
1: Yeah.
0: And so you had this shape, and then what started to happen?
1: Um, I got bored with it. (laughs) So I still make it, and they still sell really, really well. Great. um, And I still exhibit that shape. I had a solo show in Hamilton this year in March, um, which was 99% that shape. And it's still sold, so I, yes, I still make that shape. But I challenge myself with more, with different shapes as well now. And I have pushed out into lots of other different mediums as well at the same time.
0: And did that happen whilst you are here or did it happen it's after? A
1: little bit whilst I was here. I um, Dennis challenged me while I was here to do, because he knew how much I liked making multiples, and, and he sort of got out of me a bit about the not so keen on drawing and painting side of it. So I did a project while I was here which was 40 boxes as a, three, a 3D visual diary. So instead of doing a page in my visual diary, I actually had 40 boxes and did it for 40 days, where I did something to the box every day for 40 days. And um, so, yeah, Dennis was starting to push those boundaries. I started working with wire a bit while I was here. Mm. And some of my wire works now are my highest value selling works. Um, so that's And that's moved on into things like um, small sculpture awards and number eight wire awards. So those national sort of competitions just by playing with a different medium. That, mm. But I would say that they do have a common tie coming back to... Um, so as this craft thing for me. Um, craft is huge in my life. I am a child of 1960s parents who who were sort of like semi-religious hippies. And we were taught to knit and crochet because you know, the thought was that Mia will grow up, she will marry in the church, she'll need to make clothes for her children. You know, It was very much that sort of aesthetic on the east coast of Gisborne. Mm. And um, so I know I, I have knitted and crocheted and all, embroidered and, and sewn clothes all my life, and now I have found a way to interpret that love into into artworks as well, which is a really nice crossover for me. It's it's got a real honesty for me in it. Yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah.
0: Interesting. Our, our ways of being just keep on transferring and coming mm. through in what we create. Mm. I find that really interesting.
1: Yeah, I I find that. Um, The viewers of art really respond to an honesty in the works. I don't know how they tell it, but something that has meant a lot to me will always have a strong reaction.
0: Mm. Well said. (laughs) How does one be honest with an artwork? What do you reckon? I
1: don't know. I think it's a gut feel really. I think you know yourself when, you know, you're not just making it because you sold one of those before. When, it, when you're making it because you feel passionate about it in some way, whether that's because it, it's, something's happened or, or whether it's just, you know, what really spoke to you on that day, they, they can tell. It's interesting, okay. Okay, the
0: idea of encapsulating an emotion mm. or a sense of power yeah. in a work,
1: mm.
0: whether it's a forced thing or it just happens.
1: I think it just happens. If, yeah. you're, if you're in tune with what you're doing, I think it just happens.
0: Beautifully said. Can you have a feedback on that idea of honesty and creating things that you wish to express?
1: Yeah, <laughs> like a drug. <laughs> I'm getting
0: more and more. I just think um art, uh, like if I do what I want, at least I'm happy with it at the end. If I try and do what someone else wants then they probably won't like me. I don't think it's know. Okay <laughs> Hmm, well said. Yeah, I like to sort of pretty on works, and I, I suppose there's honesty in that, but the more you resolve it, the sort of, um, more you take
1: the honesty away and try and make it look perfect. Hmm. Mm, well, it, this is where, for example, my ceramics, my ceramics never sell at New Zealand Potters exhibitions because they don't necessarily approve of how rough and unwell made they are whereas to the general buying public they love them mm. it's it's just a different it's, it's not the same aesthetic and um and the public often get in behind my idea behind it whereas they you know the, the trained potters are looking at oh look there's a crack there or or she should have formed this better or mm. So,
0: it's interesting, eh? Your market as an artist, and who views your work, mm. and the response they have. Mm. Tell us about. So you you well you finished up in end of two thousand eight. Yep. Then what?
1: Uh, then I thought, oh my god, I've got to find somewhere to pot. <laughs> <laughs> so I took myself up to Wellington Potters uh, in Grant Road in Thornton, and. I did a little class there, a little um, Saturday class, just to try and get to meet some people and figure out whether I could make it work for me or not. And it seemed okay. They had some good-looking kilns that I couldn't wait to get my hands on. And and so I I joined up and gave it a go, and um, it worked well. It's a great space. Um, And I ended up firing their kilns for them for a year um, because I'd learnt with Mel here how to... Um, load and fire the kilns, so that was a really good skill to take, a really practical skill to take away from here to put in somewhere else, and um, yeah, then ended up applying for the residency there, they have a residency. Um, The main reason I applied for the residency was because a lot of my works are quite big and need time to dry, and in a communal space where you were just leaving works outside, uh, not outside, but out in the open, they were being touched and things like that, and and often coming back and finding works were broken. Mm. So I really wanted to move to that sort of slightly more me space, and so yeah, did the they agreed to give me the residency, which I did, and um, it just took off from there. Really, um, I loved the residency and didn't. <laughs> um, it was it was a. It was a great um, learning experience. It taught me that I didn't just want to be a potter, I didn't just want to do clay. Mm. I found it very hard to be committed to doing clay five days a week, Mm. which was a condition of the residency. Um, I um, made my first French knitting piece, which is the big green piece that you'll see in there somewhere. in, the, in my year of potting residency. <laughs> a whole year? <laughs> yeah, it was a whole year residency. Wow. But, I mean, it had its really fantastic points, you know, six kilns right there. Um, yeah, space. And and forcing you to commit to to being there. As, you know, all of those sorts of things were great.
0: That's an interesting point, because as artists sometimes... It can work really well when you're in a space to create, like on campus, sometimes you get home and there's other things going on, but to be able to travel from your home to a place, place. where you make, yeah, so that was important for you?
1: It was at that stage, it mm. was, yeah. I, it has taught me um, that I prefer to plan my own <laughs> um, yeah. I my creative process is relatively personal, mm. I'm not that comfortable with creating with a whole lot of other people around. Here was different. Here was so supportive and great. Mm. Um, I loved it. Mm. But moving into a more, it was much more competitive as the short answer.
0: Right.
1: You know, everything that you were making, there were people wanting to know why, how, where, where were you going to exhibit it, how much were you going to put on it. You know, it was that whole, all of a sudden, the people weren't necessarily... People that were supporting you—they were—they were were actually going to be your competitors out there in exhibitions and things. So So I I found that a bit of a steep learning curve after the hugely supportive nature of TLC.
0: Sure.
1: So and I'm yeah very.
0: Did you have to to exhibit at the end of that
1: year? Yeah, it was a condition that you were a um, a solo exhibiting artist to get the residency in the first place.
0: How was that Um, received, or what was that process? um,
1: It was good. Well, I, I sort of, I had my first solo exhibition in 2007 while I was still at TLC, so I had got into that process of of solo exhibiting anyway. Um, so, I only, you know, I first picked up a piece of clay in 2000, and, end of 2006, and we're now what, end of 2012, <coughs> no, halfway through, um, and I've had ten solo exhibitions, all ceramic, in that six year period. Wow! So it's something, you know, I sort of, I want to make a go of it, so I've kept working at it. And I think I counted up the other day, my work's been, my ceramics have been in 45 group exhibitions in that period as well. So yeah, I just tra- keep putting it out there. Me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: wow, well, good on you. Is there a momentum associated with that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, when I came out of TLC, I said, okay I'm going to try everything that's offered to me. I will have a go at everything. Um, you know you can only get turned down. Yeah. And so I have continued to submit to virtually everything that I see that I can make it make my work fit, and ninety nine percent of them have said yes. Awesome. So, yeah, it's just, you do have to be really professional about it. Yeah. I really think you have to be professional about it and just keep, you know, if you're going to be an artist and that's the life you're going to live, do it. <laughs> Don't <laughs> wait for somebody to come and invite you. Mm. Get out there and do it. Good words. Yeah.
0: And interesting, you were showing these postcards here earlier to me and you yep. said they were almost a bit of an inspiration from something else that had happened earlier.
1: One of um, Dan's classes, back in, back in the day, <laughs> um, Dan used to invite people in for the class rather than an open thing at lunchtime and it was an artist called Sandy Rogers who he invited on in to one of our classes. Some of you hopefully know Sandy's work. Um, and what I really strongly took away from that was how professional Sandy was. Um, I still have at home one of the postcards that she brought along to that ex- to that talk of one of her exhibitions. And um, just just lifting the bar and recognising that if you're professional about this and you have that really strong belief in your work, that you can be a professional artist and make it professional. So it's one of the major reasons I, I wanted to come today to just hand that on to the next generation and say, um, you know, you've got to live the life and at the standard that you expect people to treat your work is what you need, that standard that you need to be at, where you need to be.
0: How does one know when their artwork is ready to be shown?
1: Um, People will tell you. I, you know, I found a gallery that um, I was encouraged to well I exhibited here. yeah. And that's a really good start sounding board. and mm. my work sold here? Not the 2D stuff I need. This. <laughs> um, and then um, and then it was a nice easy in to um, people we were working at the New Zealand Art Show. Um, a lot of TLC students used to go along and work as volunteers at the art show. That's right. So that was a nice you know, let's try putting some work in there, yeah. and the other one at the time that was easier to get into was the Academy, the Academy of Fine Arts, and so st- I just started, you know, as I still do, yeah. if I see something new, I just started trying them and putting them out there, and yeah. and you can ask for a critique, like I've just selected an exhibition this morning, and um we will provide feedback to the rejections. We will say, yes, we really like the painting, but your framing sucks. If you hadn't framed it in that way, we absolutely... You know, you can ask for feedback really when your work gets rejected. Mm. You know, most curators will give you feedback as to why they rejected it, mm. if you just ask. Mm. And as long as you're, you know, can take that, mm. and you have to take it. If you want to go ahead, get ahead, you have to take it.
0: Do you, do you see much difference in gallery work, the aim of the gallery, and the stuff that you aim to sell? Do you sort of do the much more
1: arty, arty? No, I've always I've always set myself the bar of being at gallery level.
0: Arty pieces, supposed to sort of pieces people like around
1: the house. Um, well, I think that's just a you yourself thing. You know what? I yeah I I never make for money. I make because they mean something to me. Um, so I like to think I'm not motivated by money at all. I will look at an exhibition and go, Okay, this exhibition's gonna cost me X, therefore I really need to make X out of it yeah. in order to, you know, not lose money out of it. But I I don't go into exhibitions or things going, Wow, if I sell this I can make five thousand bucks or whatever. I don't I don't I go in my, my my reason for exhibiting is different. My reason for exhibiting is because I love making art and I want to share it, basically.
0: Fantastic. It um, comes back to, to that honesty again. Yeah. but You're yeah. also aware of your overheads.
1: Yeah. Well, you have to be, don't you? Yeah, that's right. You have to be. And if you need bread on the table, well, then you need bread on the
0: table. What do your children think of all this?
1: Um... I've got one child that got excellence in art last year and but she's more leaning towards the fashion side of art than the pure art and the other one who wants a free trip to Bondi and that's his only interest. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, he's... They're, they've been immersed in it since day one. Yeah. And I think it's given them a better appreciation, that's for sure. Yeah. They, they you know, either, Most of my friends are involved in the art world in some way or form or making things in some way or form, not necessarily, you know, painting or whatever. But, um, yeah, so no, I think it's been really good for them. It's rounded out their their view on the world.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, and what yeah. does your partner in there think of what you're doing? Um, he's,
1: he's really impressed he's, really, he's um, pleased that it's moving forward yeah. he's, he's told me now to stop earning money <laughs> anyway, long story um, yeah. <laughs> no, to do with loss attributing companies and things like that um, he's, yeah he's hugely supportive but also my greatest critic to be honest mm. especially since I now am working at home I have um, just, I, for the last year I'd had a, a studio at Toi and in Abel Smith Street in town. Um, had to give it up because it's just got too expensive with parking and things, yeah. um, just beyond my means. Um, so I'm now working at home completely. So it means that my partially completed work is on view on a daily basis, which has been a learning curve because the husband and the children sit at the dining room table and go, oh, <laughs> and so it's sort of, you know, and I've, again, because I'm quite a personal maker, I, I sort of like to show things when they're finished. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's a constant adjustment, isn't it? Yeah, In right. life and artistic life.
0: Exactly, and I think it's a balance everyone strives towards, and it's often changing, hmm. just depending on life circumstances. Hmm. But that commitment... And just that passion is huge. And you can yeah, see well, I love growing.
1: breathing. I mean, I work seven days a week basically, because mm. um, it's there, and I and I enjoy it. And I've got a lot on, so I need to at the moment to meet the commitments that I've made for the next six months.
0: Wow, what is happening in the future for you?
1: Um, most immediately. Well, right now, I've got, um, I'm have got i in Estuary Art Awards in Auckland. I've got a piece in there, which is fantastic. Uh, Small Sculpture Awards in Auckland on Waiheke. I was selected for that. So they've got two pieces there. I'm guest artist at the Ashburton Annual um, Exhibition, which is happening this weekend. And then further out from that, um, I'm now being approached by the likes of King's College and stuff in Auckland to do their art fairs. Um, I've just done Baradine College, and yeah, so it's a way that they make money, and they put on an art fair, which they seem to do quite professionally, and they're very posh colleges, so mm. it's just another audience. Um, I'm doing solo wool at the New Zealand Art Show again this year. I have done for the last three years, so that will be approximately 20 ceramic pieces by July. Um... I have been selected for Sculpture in the Gardens, which is um, Auckland Botanical Gardens. The big daisy blanket place that is on the flyers that uh, and is up there yeah. um, was what I had in last time that I was selected, and um, it was seen by 450,000 people. So yeah, we're talking big audiences. That was partially because it was during the Rugby World Cup, but um, yeah, big audiences up there. Um, So I'm doing a piece this year called Infill Housing and it will be in 19 trees and it's basically birds' nests. So I live in Lyle Bay and Lyle Bay has been agreed by the council as an area that is suitable for infill housing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the old villas and stuff in my street are now getting two or three townhouses behind them. So it was a reaction to that. So it's basically 19 trees, absolutely crammed with birds' nests, which will be made out of wool and wire and plastic and sort of and varying scale. Um, so yeah, that's October, and I've also been selected for sculpture by the sea in Bondi, which is also October. Um, which is just a whole other ball game of shipping a work overseas and it just takes it to a whole other level that I can't even begin to get my head around at the moment. But yeah, so sort of having shipping agents come to the house and view the work and trying to figure out. And, and applying to Creative New Zealand to try and get help for the money to get it there and, and all of that, so it's just quite big. Um, uh, that is another version of French knitting, the green rope through the trees that they have asked for. Wow. Is that enough? <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It's interesting when you've
0: got things to work towards and certain artistic goals, because it seems that, that things are more likely to happen when you're working independently if, if you're working towards something.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, um, when I first did Waiheke, sculpture, Headland Sculpture on the Gulf, with my first French knitting piece, the um, curator and selector for sculpture in the gardens went round that show. And when he then saw my, my entry come in for, for the daisy blanket, he said, I never would have believed one person could do this unless I'd seen this work. Yeah. So there is definitely the rolling, the rolling moss um, scenario. You need to keep that traction up to. Um, yeah,
0: makes sense really, yeah. <laughs> for sustainability. While the works are moving through in the background, if people have got questions to ask me about what she's up to and her process, feel free.
1: So that's the the bowl shape that I'm talking about um, that has been repeated many, many times um, and was the subject of this recent exhibition. Do, have to do, do I, um, well it goes both ways, if Hamilton, uh, Standing Tall, the exhibition I had in um, March, yes I went and um, they had a crew to set up the exhibition but I, because it was 13 works I found it easier to transport them myself. Um, which definitely has costs associated with it, but it just and then I was at the opening, and peop, some people really like to meet the artist, and that works really well. And on that occasion, worked really, really well because sixty percent of the work sold on opening night, so definitely worked well there. Um, this Ashburton one that's on this weekend, I'm not going uh, because it's Ashburton and it's just. Too far away. But having said that, it's cost me five hundred dollars to freight the work there. So, you know, it's yeah. I prefer to be there and see the work and make that connection with people. Not pushing myself forward, but you know, if you're there and people know that the artist is there, then they can come up to you and say. you can have a conversation with them about it yeah. and um, it definitely resulted in a couple of commissions out of the Hamilton one by being there that never would have happened if I hadn't been there so it's it's a it's a tossing up thing whereas I know in the sort of like the New Zealand art show scenario for example quite a few of them are sort of almost professional buyers and they're not interested in the artist they they see a piece of work they want to buy a piece of work you know they're, they 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 don't actually want to talk to you. So it's a, it's a juggle. It's a, yeah. you know, again, a gut, a gut feel on the Yeah, I was going to say so the instincts yeah. kind of kick yeah. in. Yeah. Because
0: yeah. when you're at the New Zealand art show, when you've got a table or a, or a wall, you're there. You're there. What's it like? You've got your art in a show. Full and
1: on yeah. and quite intimidating in some ways. For example, that, the piece that you see up here that's got the doll pieces in it, um, I showed that last year at the New Zealand art show. I ended up taking it off the table twice because um, people would come up to it and go, oh my God, I can't imagine having that in my home. That's so disturbing. You know, that sort of reaction, which maybe they didn't realise that I was the artist or maybe they just didn't care. But it actually, you know, it hurt and I took it off the table twice. It did end up selling to somebody who absolutely loved it. Um, but yeah, so it is hard to stand there beside your work and say, "Yeah, this is me. This is my heart and soul in clay or whatever mm. in front of you. Take it or insult me."
0: That's another form of creativity: the idea of risk-taking, putting yeah. yourself out in the open. Yeah,
1: it's it's scary. It is, and I. Get terribly nervous before I do it every single time, but then often come away so rewarded as well by, by people's reaction. And it's not necessarily that they've bought the work, mm. it's just, you know, some of these big outdoor works, of course they're not gonna sell, they're made out of recycled plastic. Who's gonna pay five thousand dollars for a recycled plastic piece? But like the reactions, my Daisy blanket was the most photographed piece in the, in the exhibition. Wow. Because people responded to it and knew what it was about and understood that connection back to their grandmothers and crochet and things, so um, yeah. It's
0: a couple months.
1: Yeah, I kept on finding it in newspapers, you know, little 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 newspapers yeah. where somebody had been to visit and here's them having a picnic in the middle of it. <laughs> it's
0: all happened quite quickly as well
1: yeah well i've worked hard at it yeah i haven't sat back and waited for it i've definitely you know i have actually worked quite hard at putting myself out there and being available and and yeah trying the big national competitions and things there's still two that i haven't quite managed i'm going to but yeah i still i still have goals yes definitely i'm going to exhibit in new york one day Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's great to think of big picture and then yeah. steps to you know allow yourself to maybe head in that direction. Yeah. It's very positive.
1: How, how much do you find your previous, previous career has helped you now with the professional artist? Um, do I admit to what my actual what I trained as? I trained as an accountant. I audit, did auditing for fifteen years, and that has definitely helped. It gives me a background knowledge of. Just the common sense behind some of the financial decisions that you make. Um, my husband says I'm getting less and less accounting and more and more artists as time goes by. He'll stand there and say why are you paying X to send And I'm going because I want to show my work, I want to, I'm prepared to pay for it too. But um, Definitely, yeah, has and I'm a very logical person and I think that's part of the accounting degree that I have is, is that logic behind it and you know just helps in those steps of, of maintaining a um, a business basically of making art. Because well, it's totally one thing being the artist and then producing wonderful things, but it's a whole scary other thing when you talk of market yourself Marketer I would I would say I would say I w- I sort of did a rough calculation on this a while ago. Um, and I would say I spend at least 50% of my time doing marketing and accounting and the, the actual creativity, creating art is, is getting smaller, damn it. And, you know, I love to hate things like Facebook and stuff but recognise their value as well. So I do try to maintain those sorts of things on a professional level as well. Yeah. So.
0: And that's something Sandy spoke of as well. I think the range of guest speakers we've had have spoken about that level of the creating part of it, mm. as well as working hard to sustain that through the marketing and yeah, the accountability.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Because um, you do, you you do make those connections by being out there and meeting and greeting and and being on committees or or you know. Selecting for exhibitions and things, you are making connections that allow you to have opportunities later. Definitely, because that's how I've got this Ashbur- Ashburton one is through. A, um, they've come across the internet. I've never met people in Ashburton before. They've seen my work on the internet and approached me and said, you know, "And the colleges in Auckland, it's, you know, so it's definitely worth putting in the hours and the effort." Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, and Dan Mills spoke about that too, of his murals, he felt like he was chasing everyone to get these murals happening around the Hutt Valley and nationwide, then eventually he started getting the calls, mm. he started getting the emails, and there he just doesn't really have to put it out there as much, he said, mm. so that's quite interesting, that, that process.
1: Yeah, well that's definitely the point I'm at, I'll still chase the things that I really want, mm. But I'm yeah now finding with the online gallery and things like that, that people are starting to come to me much more, so. Fantastic. Who would have thought, as I said. <laughs> so yeah, any other
0: questions for Mia before we wrap up, then fire them away.
1: Um, I think the major thing would be the joy and the honesty, to put it in a tiny little nutshell. You know, that I actually have um, passion and, and get a lot of satisfaction out of doing this. Um, and yeah, and that there are, all of my works are, are very honest, very honest. I just have one little verse that I just got off the back of a wine bottle the other day, and I got it off before I drank the wine. <laughs> so but I just, I just, if I could just read it out to you, it very much it tells my story of how I came to be at TLC and, and how it's worked out for me. Um, that is one other thing I should just quickly mention, is that in 2007, my dad died very, very suddenly and unexpectedly and shockingly. And the one thing that that did for me, it came at the perfect time from the point of view, it made me grasp TLC and my creativity and realise that life was far too short to wait until the kids had grown up or I had more money or any of those things. That, you know, if you're passionate about this, now is the time. Just do it, don't. And I just found this little thing that just sums it up, really. It just says, life has its ups and downs It can be both brutal and beautiful You can hold yourself away to avoid life's pain, but then beauty seldom finds its way in. It's only when you attempt to go where you cannot go or do what you cannot do that you can achieve what you are truly capable of doing. Sure, you might tumble, you might fall, so what? Take a chance. Go out on the limb, dare to try, even if it's just a shot in the dark." And basically that sums up my artistic career. It would have been very easy for me to go back to accounting but it wasn't who I was meant to be.
0: It's beautiful. Excellent, well thanks so much. No problem. Uh, me, will still be here for a wee while while we pack up, so if people want to come and ask a few questions, then excellent, thank you very much.
1: No problem. <laughs>